You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, C1. the conclusion of a series that we've started called Go V1. God put a message in my heart when this thing was a 15 person live stream and I was living a thousand miles away in Indiana and he said that when the plane hits the runway it picks up enough velocity and begins to take off and you know we've got a guy named Micah. Micah I met him at Chipotle across the street here because all holy things happen in Chipotle and movie theaters. All God's people said amen. And we were in Chipotle and he's wearing a pilot's uniform. And I walked up to him and I said, hey man, I, I named my church V1. And he was like, oh, that's crazy. I know exactly what V1 means. And I said, it means the point of no return, the decision speed when the plane decides we're now taking off the runway. And, and even if there's an engine fire and a wheel blows out, this baby's gonna fly. And he says, yeah, that's what it means. And I said, because I just put my whole life on that. And I didn't know if I was being evangelistic or being evangelistic. But he said something on Facebook the other day. He said, one mile of road will take you one mile. But one mile of runway will take you anywhere. Today, welcome to the runway. Today, welcome to the runway. So you've been on the road. Religion was the road that beat you down. Relationships were the road that beat you down. Welcome to the runway. Because see, when you're on the runway, even a long delay will give you the opportunity to get up in the air and push. And I've been on flights where the pilots have still landed us on time, even though we were on the runway for hours. And they said, oh, when we were in the air, we pushed this baby and made up for lost time. There's somebody in this room. God is getting ready to make up for lost time in your life. Can somebody just say welcome to the runway? Can somebody make a bold declaration? Welcome to the runway. Can you turn to your neighbor and say welcome to the runway? Tim, welcome to the runway. Come on, Darren, welcome to the runway. Can somebody shout out welcome to the runway? Come on, you guys can find your seat. Okay, can I make a confession? I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Who said that? Security. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know, I, I've based my entire existence for the last 10 years in training up and releasing leaders. And um, leaders plan, leaders get vision from God. You know, and they say, God, I'm going to abandon what's good for what's God. But there are times when the grace and the mercy of God overwhelms you so much that he makes your plans laughable. This is one of those moments right now. He literally has taken what I thought was possible and said, you are severely underestimating how much my people are longing for me in New York City and Long Island. You all are the evidence of that. And I, I just, I do want to sincerely apologize if it's been hard finding a seat. You know, we've been going off this thing because these are those leather recliners. And we started this thing months and months ago, recline me and refine me. And some of your chairs don't recline. <laughs> so I don't know how we're going to refine you. But, um, and, and you know, it's like those movies keep displacing us. And, and I don't know what movie's showing there, but I can guarantee you it's not as cool as what God's doing in here. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, 
man. But we, and, and, and it even gets to the point where if we get into that bigger auditorium, let's be real, I don't even know what's going to happen. So here's what I want you guys to do. Can we just be in this together? We are going to just begin to pray creatively about solutions that God has for us in this next stage um, because we need them and we have good problems. This is good problems. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been to a restaurant that everyone tells you is good, but you show up and it's abandoned and you're like, who is spitting in this food? You know, how many people got food poisoning as a result of this place that it, but then when you go somewhere and it's hopping, it kind of gives you security of knowing something must be happening that's authentic in the midst. So I want you guys to stick around. Service is almost over. We've just got another two hours to go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but if you don't have to leave, I don't want you to leave. And you know, even we've got V1 kids and they just, can we just give it up for V1 kids in the other auditorium? They take such good care of our kids. But even the kids that were here, I was looking at them while we were worshiping and I said, what an awesome privilege and opportunity for these kids to see something stirring in their midst. You know, it's funny because I talk to pastors all the time. We're like, I can't understand. I raised my kid in church. Why do they serve the Lord? And it's like, because you just went to church, you never served him either. So when you guys begin to worship I said was that too was that too hot was it good too hot in the kitchen should I throw my towel out for somebody it's like I didn't even repent yet you got to preach with a towel I'm just gonna tell you you know you don't have to call v1 home but whatever church you visit if this if the preacher doesn't preach with a towel that's not your home okay I'm just gonna tell you right now <laughs> I just offended so many pastors can we just give it up for everyone watching live right now actually you know, um, is it, was anyone here crazy enough to brave the Black Friday sales? Did anyone go out? Man, nobody in the 9 a.m. either. Y'all are holy and sanctified, and you're like, I don't serve the God of mammon. Um, <laughs> I was watching this guy was live tweeting. He actually walked into Target on Black Friday wearing a red T-shirt and khakis. Anyone see this? And all of a sudden, the manager's like, yo, get to work. What are you doing standing around? He's like, where's your name tag? You're, what are you doing? And the guy's realizing, like, what is happening to me? And all of a sudden, he, he said the manager takes him, gives him a name tag. And he's like, let's go start scanning that stuff. And he's like, please, please, please. And he's like looking around like, I'm a Target employee now. It was that fast. And then it, that, that kept going and going. And it was funny because he was live tweeting. He was like, currently a Target employee came here for Black Friday. And he took a picture. He's like, got a name tag. And then he keeps going. And he's live tweeting the whole thing. He's like, just scanned for two hours. Asked for a break. They said I wasn't ready for one. <laughs> Then, this is funny because he's, he's, he kind of got wise. Probably a couple hours later, he was like, figured out how to get an employee discount on a video game winning. <laughs> and literally, he's tweeting at Target saying, Target, what are you going to do about this? You just hired me. So here's the thing, man. That guy got an experience, but he didn't get a paycheck. Okay? What I don't want you to do is to show up here and, and, and just have an experience. But I will tell you this, you gotta be careful because we're a lot like that. You will find yourself, you'll come to this church like two times and then you'll be preaching on the third week and you're like, what just happened? All of a sudden I work for V1 Church now, you know? But I, I think when you, how many dream team members do we have in the room? Okay, okay, okay. Those were all people who just showed up like you did and then we put a name tag on them. <laughs> And everyone's like, but don't you have to be holy to be used by God? Then someone else is like, did you see the pastor? <laughs> but you know, when you read scripture, when you read this book, is there anyone here who actually came to hear this book? 
When you read this book, you actually find that the qualification for God using people to do great things was just one condition. Were you willing? Were you willing? And, and you know, some of the greatest things that God has done through me actually happened before I got trained. Because he was like, I'm going to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Are there any fools in this room right now? Is there anyone willing to be foolish for Jesus? That's how you change a region. So here's what I'll do. I promise you I will do everything in my power to get you guys more comfortable, more seats. You know, even the people in the middle here made the commitment to sit down during worship so that we didn't get in the view of the live stream. And that's just, you know what, I, I love, you know, in, in a lot of times, and why don't you guys turn to your Bible with me while I just keep talking to you. But uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. We're going way back. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. There are no shame in the table of contents here. And maybe your Bible glows if you downloaded the V1 Church app. Maybe it's a print one like mine. I, I don't know. I'm, I've always been a fan of the, the print ones. But, um, you know, I think it's so easy sometimes to become consumeristic in our Christianity when we're like, well, I'm going to church for me. And, and that's not a bad place to start because God wants to heal you and restore you and set you on the right path. But there does come a point where if your caloric intake is greater than your output, you begin to get lethargic and you have health issues related to that. The same thing happens spiritually. If you take in more of this word than you actually act on, you become a very bad Christian to be around. One that I don't even want to be around, to be honest with you. You've got to actually be obedient to what you hear today. And for me, I always pray, God, don't let me hear more of your word than I do. And then you get into these situations when that happens. Because <laughs> it's not like we're that good. We're a bunch of flawed people trying to do this thing. But I say it every Sunday. I'm going to say it again. This was not a man's idea. Church and a church service is not man's invention. Now, we definitely added lights to it. That's not in the Bible. But we thought that was cool. And we didn't think it was bad to do it. Cause, but, but, you know... But us gathering together in a large inspirational setting where you could look around the room and say, I'm not alone out here. You know, I'm not alone. There are other believers. I have family, spiritual family. That's such a valuable thing. And then we also do circle, uh, church in circles, not just rows throughout the week. And we get in each other's business. We get into each other's business. Uh, you know, we, we, we get to know each other. We counsel and we do all those good things. And, and it's just amazing to see this church just becoming what it's destined to become. So I want to take you back in chapter 15, verse, uh, really verse one. Are you there? Who's there? Who's cheating with me on the screen right now? Okay. Okay. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not, everyone say, do not, do not be afraid. It says, I am your shield, your very great reward. But, but Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childish, child, childless, that's me, I'm sorry, childless and the one who will inherit my estate. And he begins to give God his complaints. Oftentimes when God encounters somebody for the very first time in scripture, the thing that he starts with, the very first thing that he says is do not be afraid. You know, I want to tell you if you're new here or if this way of doing church is new, the very first thing that probably the Holy Spirit would want to communicate to you right now is do not be afraid. Why? It's revealing that the single greatest attack in your life is most likely going to be fear. You've all heard that fear is false evidence appearing real. But it's so much more than that. 
on a genetic cellular level, it tells you to punch somebody in the face or to run away. Fear is something that's innate. It's embedded in you. And so to be given a command, let me look at this again. It says, do not be afraid. Now, are there any parents in the house? Okay, a couple. Anyone who wants to be a parent? Okay, look around, look around. Do not be afraid is a command. It's not an option. So when God shows up to give you your assignment and to tell you what's going to happen with your life, he will demand of you that you abandon and reject fear. And that's a thing that you'll have to do over and over and over and over and over again. Do not be afraid. And then Abram says, but God, I don't have a kid. How can this promise come to pass? The promise was that, and you go skip to verse four, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So in other words, you thought it was going to go one way, but that's actually going down another way. I'm going to open up the supernatural realm and you are going to be able to have a son, flesh and blood. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. Stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Oftentimes in life, God is declaring to us, so shall it be. And our response is, I don't believe it. Look at the verse six. It says this, Abram believed. Everyone say believe. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Then you skip down now. And as you skip down, it says, On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land. And then he basically says from these different geographic regions, the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites. Can you say Kenizzites? Okay, we've got some Hoosiers in here. Are there any Hoosiers in here? Okay. We've got some Long Islanders in here. Any Long Islanders drinking a cup of coffee? We got some people from Queens in here. We got some people from Brooklyn in here. We got someone from the Bronx in here. <laughs> Get them. <laughs> you know, Kenizzites are not mentioned often in Scripture, but we've been doing this deep character study of a man named Caleb. And back in the book of Genesis, the Kenizzites are mentioned. Now, let's kind of skip forward because we're going to go deep right now. Can you guys take a look at Joshua chapter 14, verse 6? Is it okay if I actually read scripture to you? I'm not calling anyone out, but I've listened to whole sermons without scripture before. <laughs> now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. Can you say Kenizzite? The Kenizzite, the other, the one that wasn't included in the original plan, the one that God grafted in, the one who just showed up to the movie theater one day expecting to have a nice church service, the one that got invited by their friend and heard people sing a few songs and got wrecked and went into the service of the Lord forever, the Kenizzites. See, because God's plan in this book was centered around the Israelites, what business does a Kenizzite have to do? Well, let me just tell you, his name was Caleb. And all of a sudden he went and says, I, I was at Kadesh Barnea about, about, I uh, says, I was at 40 years. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. In other words, Caleb believed God, believed God. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Can you say wholeheartedly? 
You know, right now in this room, you are either on a road or you are on a runway. Roads are long and frustrating. Roads, if you go a mile a road, you win a mile. See, runways, even though they have weights and even though they have delays, can turn into an exhilarating experience. And see, no matter how fast you go when you're actually on a road, you are traveling significantly slower than if you went by plane. And see, you are either meant for a road or you are meant for a runway. And I believe the people of Long Island, New York City, the people who are here right now are meant for runways. Okay, I believe that you're meant for a runway. You know, we had this first message in the series, hashtag not impressed. Anyone here for that? And then, and then we came out of hashtag not impressed, and then we had take your ticket. And, and then it's in the bag. And the, today we have get off the road. It, it's not a road. It's a runway. It's a runway. That's a choice that you have to make. See, Caleb served God wholeheartedly. Why is it even worth mentioning that a Kenizzite followed God wholeheartedly. Well, let me tell you, the Bible says that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. Do you know that the thing that you should trust least in your life ain't that friend that backstabbed you several times over or that ex that you're blocked on every social media to try to get rid of and they still make new accounts to stalk you? Do you know the thing that you should fear the most is your own heart? The Bible says, and it says that it's deceitfully wicked So for Caleb to follow God wholeheartedly, let me just, can I speak to you as a pastor and a shepherd right now? I have just counseled people one-on-one in closed door settings for year after year, almost 12 years. And I will tell you this, to have a clean heart in the 21st century is something that's earned, not something given. You've got to be, because the heart has corridors. And as you walk down the corners of time, there's rooms designated by year. There's places that that people say, well, I'll give this to God, but I could never give that horrific event that happened. And, you know, I told our dream team this morning as we were setting up, I said, this is a different service. I said, we're going to get overrun with people today. We're going to have to bring every chair. We're going to have to tell them in the theater, bring every chair. Because, see, the holidays for some is supposed to be a happy time if you're the Cleaver family, okay? For the rest of us seeing some of those family members being in that environment even the weather turning cold in this region becomes a trigger for the things that you've gone through in your past and 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 I said there's going to be such a demand for God to heal hearts today if you're in this room I've been anticipating you I've been waiting for you because I believe that in a moment through the foolishness of preaching that God can do what a surgeon could never do to your heart and Caleb said that he followed whole heartedly which is really a sign that he followed in a place of surrender because the only way that you're going to be wholehearted is to surrender your whole heart let me just tell you a quick story when i was 11 years old um i got a like a fever it's like a common cold and you know i don't know if any of you know my mom we call her mama moses anyone know her she's like a complete nut job for jesus like I guarantee you she actually prays louder at home than she does here, okay? Sometimes I'm like, Mom, can you pray like 40 decibels lower on Sunday because there's new people or you're going to freak out, you know? And she's like, I'm not ashamed of Jesus, are you? I'm like, no, I'm just deaf. (laughs) 
but my mom has just always been very spirit-led. And when I was 11 years old, I'll never forget, I was laying, shivering, had this cold, just a common thing. And she went to lay her hand on me. And as she went to lay her hand on me, it was almost like she was receiving information outside of her own brain. And she, she jumped back and she went, oh, wow. And, and the words that she said, and I'll never forget because this moment marked me. She said, how can it be so? And then she looked at me and she started to cry. And she said, I went to go lay my hand on you to pray for your sickness. And I got a vision of you as a grown man. And you were a lead pastor of a church. <laughs> Tim is laughing like he knows me from way back when. Because, see, I want to tell you guys, even my worst sermon is an absolute miracle from God. Did you know I was so incredibly introverted? I, I was so scared of people. When I was in elementary school and you would have the cafeteria tables and I would drink, you remember those little half pint milks? Don't you wish there was cafeterias for adult life, by the way? Why doesn't that still exist, you know? I remember that I was so nervous of people that I, my hand and my neck and the back of my head would shake as I would try to drink milk in front of people. And whenever anything of spiritual significance happened in my home or at the churches I was forced to go to because I didn't want to be there. We didn't have children's ministry when I was growing up. We had just beat them ruthlessly ministry, <laughs> take them in the bathroom and whoop them more, you know? Now we're like, they're a learner. Back then it was like, you're a rebel beat them. Don't you love Jesus? I'm like, no. <laughs> and, you know, I was, anytime anything of spiritual significance happened around me, I literally would run away from it. So at 11 years old, for my mom to have that vision, it was such, it was so contrary to, to my nature. And see, what God does is he reserves a destiny for your life that is contrary to what you even think you can do because it keeps you in a posture of surrender. See, I think what Caleb understood is there was no way he really could kill all those giants. He just believed that God said he was supposed to be there and that if he just stepped into the battlefield, somebody stronger, somebody greater would step in. It's really the same thing that, that, that David understood. I mean, we give him so much credit for having the sling and, and for doing what he did, but you know what? Slings don't kill giants. Let's be real. You know who kills giants? Jesus kills giants. The Spirit of God, the anointing on his life just said, I'm going to make the impossible possible. And I, I think that's why Caleb was so cocky because he was like, all I got to do is show up. He looked and he said, I'm not impressed, but here's the thing. And this is what you need to know right now is that at 11 years old, God started weaving this narrative in my life. He was trying to drop the not so subtle hint that I wasn't going to have what I wanted in life, which is to go into the corner and read a book alone in the dark. And so as he was weaving it through my life, it was like, Michael, I'm not going to rely on your ability. Actually, I'm going to utilize your inability to reveal my glory. And some of you in this place, you're stuck on the road, not the runway, because you are convinced that it's your ability that's going to accomplish things. But it's actually your inability that God is going to use to accomplish what he's called you to do. That's why Paul said the thing I don't want to do, I find myself doing it. Because he was saying, I'm still so feeble and crippled and weak before the grandeur and the bigness of God. And I'm surrendered and willing and obedient. But it's got to be him because at the end of the day, I'm still Paul. I'm not Jesus. I don't know why I'm saying this right now, but somebody needs to hear this. You ever heard that old adage, God would not put more on you than you can bear? Have you heard that before? 
I believe that statement's true, and I believe it's true for two reasons. One, it's true because if there's something in your life that you currently cannot bear, it's because God didn't give it to you. Put it down. Walk out of that relationship. Walk out of, seriously, I can't, I can't take my job. Well, there was a door that was open somewhere else that you missed because it would have required a greater level of sacrifice. And now in your place of comfort, you've become discomforted. And, and the second reason why I believe that God will not put more on you than you can actually bear is because you have a greater capacity than you could have ever imagined. And when you feel like it's too much, but you know it's God, God says, I'm about to increase your capacity and show you there's more. There's more. Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly, a maximum capacity. He went from the road to the runway. It says this. I want to read this to you because it's so good. This is verse 13. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, the outsider. The one who took God at his word. The one who didn't factor in living this kind of life, but said, I'm willing to live la vida loca with Jesus Cristo. <laughs> I try to make the 1010 bilingual. To... So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord as God, the God of Israel wholeheartedly. Now watch this. A word is given to a man named Caleb or a man named Abram. Abram chooses to believe God. Then another man who as a child, a little baby, floated in a wicker basket down the river, came into Pharaoh's course, was raised, rebelled against the cultural norms of Egypt because he felt something crying out deeper inside of him that there's got to be another way. His name was Moses. Then Moses all of a sudden releases a commission of men to go look into the promised land. And now all of a sudden, out of those spies, one of them named Caleb says, I see possibility where you see impossibility. And then all of a sudden, because he says yes to what God can say, now you have a man named Joshua who was the servant of Moses giving him the promise. There's going to be some people that you started with that aren't going to see you finish. There's going to be some people that were around way back when, maybe that launched you in ministry, launched you in business, launched you into different arenas of life, but it's going to be way down the line that you see it fulfilled in your life. But the reason why I think Caleb as an old man wearing his suspenders, snapping them like this saying, let's go kill some giants, is because he realized that 45 year waiting on a runway is better than 45 years of striving on the road. And that if you will just be patient, God would have to be a liar to not do what he said he was going to do. You're in this room, maybe you've been waiting a long time. Well, let me just tell you, baby, you are on the runway. You are not on the road. Come on, you are on the runway. You know, what I want to do right now is just give you an opportunity to respond to what I believe that God is trying to do in your life, and your heart right now. You know, I want you to be inspired by a man named Caleb who really didn't do anything else but serve the Lord wholeheartedly and say, yeah, you really don't have any graphic Star Wars era style fights going out. You just see a wholehearted guy who said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll believe whatever you want to believe. And I think that the worst thing that any of you in this room can do is take the words of faith, intellectualize them, 
become skeptical, allow that to turn into bitterness and walk away. Because if anything, what you're watching right now in this room is what happens when someone says, I'm not going to be bitter, I'm going to be better. I'm not going to allow the things that were done to me to determine what happens in my life. I'm not going to allow what he said, what she said to determine what I say. I will say, yes, Lord, do your work. Would you all just stand to your feet with me? If you were to ask me right now, what's on the line? My answer to you would be everything. What does it matter in this packed auditorium if I make a decision or if I choose not to and walk out? Well, let me just tell you, everything's on the line right now in this moment. And I believe that you weren't drawn here by marketing because (laughs) the funny, ironic thing about this is when I first moved here just eight or nine months ago in January, 10 months ago, whatever it was, 11, we're not good at math. I tried running all the ads I could run to get people in this movie theater, and I told my board of directors, it just doesn't work out here. I literally shut everything down and said, let's just go after God now. Forget about the graphics. Forget about all that stuff. Forget about the marketing budget. There is no marketing budget. You know what? You know what we're going to actually budget? Prayer. (laughs) You know what we're going to actually budget? Fasting. You know what we're going to budget? Breaking chains off of people's lives. You know what we're going to budget? Releasing people into their destiny. And so you're here right now because everything's actually on the line. See, what's inside of you is this hunger. See, I believe that Caleb really had this sense when he was looking into Canaan that this was destined, not knowing the full discourse and conversation that would have happened between Abram many, many, many years ago, but there was this thread that was being woven through his life, and he said, okay, I get it now. The fight is fixed. I get it now. It's in the bag. I get it. All I got to do is step out. See, I think Moses had that same realization when he stood in front of the Red Sea. He was like, wait a second. I didn't make this plan. This is God's plan. So the results are on him. The results are me. And see, if you're in captivity right now, it's because you've been living the lie that the results are 100% based on you. That's called secular humanism. That's called Disney. But guess what? This is what the gospel says. There is one greater than you that has a plan for you, that has a purpose for your life. And see, when you step in front of the Red Sea, those results aren't on you. See, I've never healed nobody in my life, but I say you're the God of miracles, and if it's your will, heal their body. And I've seen miracles take place, whether it's Eastern Europe, whether it's Northwest Indiana. God said, I'm no respecter of persons. I don't love the Ukrainians more than I love the East Chicagoans. And he loves you today. He loves you. He loves you. Will you close your eyes? I want you to think about this holiday weekend. I want you to think about the wounds that were reopened. I want you to think about the disappointment that you experience every Christmas season as you think about how it should have been, the hugs that you didn't get, the embraces that you've longed for. I want you to think about the affirmation of the men that should have looked you in your eyes and said, you're doing a good job and I'm proud of you and you never heard those words. I want you to think about the absence of people who maybe passed away and you said maybe my life would be better if they were still here I want to introduce you to the only person that you ever truly needed in your life 
It's the one that fixed this fight for you. See, Caleb said, I was down to kill some giants. I'm still down. And actually Joshua stepped in and said, come on, old man. God only wanted your willingness. We're going to give you this land anyways. God's speaking to you right now and saying, because you're willing to fight the land. And I love this scripture that it ends with. It says, the land rested for war. Only those willing to fight get the blessing of a land that rested from war. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your calling. Fight for your ministry. Fight for your business. Fight for your children. Fight for your home. And then your land will rest. See, it's the last scripture in here. It says this. It says, Joshua blessed Caleb. You skip down. It says, then the land had rest from war. Maybe there's been a multi-generational war going on in your family line and you inherited alcoholism you inherited domestic abuse you inherited a multi-generational war but you know that you've been called for greatness you know that the promised land is for you and that you are a joshua generation that's going to take hold of it and step into the fullness of what he has but you're just 11 year old mike signorelli with a cold laying on the couch and nobody sees the evidence that it can be done, would you say yes to Jesus and just believe like Abram, just believe like Caleb, just believe like Joshua, just believe like the apostles who died so we could fill this theater, and Jesus who died and said, I believe while you were yet a sinner, I died for you because I believed that you'd be in a movie theater one day and you would say yes to me just like I said yes to you. Is there anyone in this place with every eye closed who will say, I've been striving on the road. I'm ready to go to the runway. I want to go V1 today. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'm willing to say yes to Jesus. If you're in this place, come on, there's so many hands. Hands lifted up in the sky represents surrender. It represents wholeheartedness. That's what we learn from this man named Caleb. We don't have a dissertation. We don't have deep theology. We just have a man who kept saying, yes, 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 God. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, here I am. Yes, I don't even need the privilege of knowing how it's all going to work out. And with your hands lifted up, you have become wholehearted. You just put your hands down. Is there anyone here? And this is a bold declaration we're going to make. And then we're going to pray this thing out because I believe chains, I hear chains rattling in this room because chains are about to be broken in this place. Maybe you've said, I'm on the verge of quitting the fight for my marriage, for my, even for my mind. Maybe you've begun to even slip in the area of addictions. Maybe you've even begun to retreat back to that place of comfort. And you say, forget about the promised land. Maybe it's even a fantasy. And this is off my radar, but I feel like the Holy Spirit, like maybe you've even been able to, this is weird to me almost because it's not a, a vice that I, but maybe it's video game addiction. Like literally, and it's the fantasy, like you feel like I can accomplish and achieve in that game, but not real life. I don't know who that was for, but but you, but it's God wants you to take the land today, to take back the promise. Maybe you have been retreating back into alcohol addiction. Maybe you've been tr retreating back into nicotine. I don't know what it is, just a substitute for God. And today you're saying, I'm ready to go V1. I'm ready to go all the way. Maybe Maybe it's the fantasy, maybe it hasn't evolved into infidelity, but you've been looking a little long. 
Maybe your phone has turned into a playground for your imagination. And maybe it's men, it's women, maybe it's conversations, maybe it's a coworker. And today was the day that God said, I've got something better. It's not condemnation, it's not guilt, it's not shame. I just, I got something better. I want to restore you back to the wife of your youth, the husband of your youth. I want to restore you back to the newness of that relationship. Is there anyone here who would be so bold? Because I've been feeling this for over a week to say today, I want to surrender. I want to lay down a substitute for God. Is there anyone who just with no one looking around just to create a private moment? Just raise your hand. Wow, everyone, please keep your eyes closed because I want to make sure that people feel bold enough to, to, to do this right now. Wow, wow. You can put your hands down. Everyone just look at me. Let me comfort you by saying, because I have a different perspective right now, like being on this stage, there are many hands up in this place. And we have one rule here, no perfect people allowed. See, the Bible says that when Jesus forgives, he also forgets. And, and his forgiveness is not like the forgiveness of anyone you've ever met before. And, and actually, the beauty of it is when he pours his love, not for how you ought to be, but for how you are right now, you realize that that's the only way you'll ever become what he ever called you to be. It's just, he literally will take your head and drown you in an ocean of grace and overwhelm you with his love and goodness, overwhelm you with his kindness, overwhelm you with his relentless love. And as he begins to lavish you with a love that you know you don't deserve, he begins to break through all those layers of pain. He begins to break through all those layers of rejection. And he's proving to you, even in this moment, I'm not like anyone you ever met before. Will you just close your eyes again? Let's just pray these words. This is the grand finale of Go V1. I waited months and months and months to preach this message series. And something was deposited in your belly, in your spirit right now, that God had ordained for you. And as we pray this prayer together for everyone who said, I want to uh, pray to be forgiven and receive Jesus. And for everyone who said, I want the the vices of addiction to be broken off my life. I, I believe that something's gonna happen in this moment as you borrow my words. And even when you raised your hand, you, you actually went V1. I mean, that, that was an outward indication of an, an inward, inward decision. Because God blesses our footprints, not our butt prints. And we're saying, I'm going, I'm going now, I'm going, God. Would you all just say, Heavenly Father? No, no, no. Don't say it like a religious, pious person. This is your dad you're talking to. Some of you have been so orphaned and broken and abandoned, and you didn't come here for a show. I, I want you to actually say it to him like he is your dad because you are about to be adopted into a spiritual family right now. Say, Heavenly Father. something's breaking over you you have a father some of you have said i don't have a dad say it one more time say heavenly father come on there it is i thank you for everything that's come through my life only because i believe you will take what was meant for harm and turn it around for my good Today, I choose to go V1. Today, I choose to believe 
that you have called me to do great things. I cast off the old. I place on the new. Wash me with your blood, Jesus. Make me clean and new. Set my feet on solid ground. Take me off the road right now, right now, right now, right now. I'm on the runway and I'm ready. In Jesus' name, shout it out. Amen. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.